imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Hership Global podcast episode. I am so excited to speak with Joan Sotkin. She is an award-winning author, a podcast host, and a financial mindset host. And today, Joan is going to speak with us about how to build a prosperity mindset. And I got to tell you, that is something that I think everybody is interested in. You know, sometimes building wealth actually has more to do with mindset than it does with strategy. Your relationships, your living situation, your career, earnings, debt, and lifestyle are actually all the result of your thoughts. And in fact, your personal beliefs around money can drive you to either exhaustion or liberation. Money problems can cause deep-rooted issues around self-worth, identity, and fear. But what if you could shift your mindset around finances and open up yourself to a whole world of mental wellness and holistic success? To achieve a mindset of financial abundance, you may have to erase years of bad habits, smashing limiting beliefs, and believing in your ability to achieve and receive everything that you desire, and more. And that's why we're so excited to welcome Joan Sotkin, an award-winning author, a podcast host, financial mindset coach, to talk to us today about how to build a prosperity mindset. Now, before we jump in, let me tell you a little bit about Joan. She is a powerhouse. As I said, she's an award-winning author. She's the host of the Prosperity Show podcast, And she's a business and personal coach, as well as a business owner and a very popular podcast guest. Her passion is helping people improve their relationship with money and with themselves. Her sage, holistic approach emphasizes how your internal environment actually affects your external results. And it's based on years of learning and experience. In fact, For over 25 years, Joan has helped entrepreneurs and practitioners use their inner resources and practical techniques to experience freedom from personal, professional, and financial struggles. Thousands of people have benefited from her groundbreaking book, Build Your Money Muscle, Nine Simple Exercises for Improving Your Relationship with Money, and her ongoing support programs and courses. Her latest book, The Search for Connection, A Spiritual Journey to Physical, Emotional, and Financial Health describes her years-long journey after giving away, get this, everything she owned. Joan is fascinating and quickly one of my very, very favorite leaders that I've had the privilege of meeting over the past year. Joan, thank you so much for joining us on the Lead Hership Global Podcast. It's great to be here. I'm so looking forward to sharing with your audience. Thank you, Joan. I got to tell you, I can't wait to dive into this. But just to begin with, let's talk a little bit about your journey. 
and really what led you to have such passion around helping others with financial prosperity? Okay. Well, first of all, I've been a talker since I was born. <laughs> I think when I was born and the doctor slapped me, I did five minutes. <laughs> and in when I was going to school, I, I didn't get acknowledged for that. I just got a lot of bad marks and self-control. But it's like I've always wanted to share whatever I'm learning with other people. And so the podcast is just the continuation of that. But it's it's really a result. I really believe everything in our lives is a result of what happens in the beginning of our life. This is what I realize now. And as I look back at the arc of my life, I can see that it really did start early on. So and I think that everybody has a different story. Everybody has a different story. So my story was I had a father who was nuts. Um, since we were the only Sotkins in the whole country, he used to have these 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 uh, rules for Sotkin. And and the rules were things like Sotkins don't sing. So when I was in kindergarten, I was a blackbird and I wasn't allowed to sing. And and we had all these rules. We were trained to be different. But the big thing is that he taught us that Sotkins don't feel. Which, you know, you talked about mindset. What you didn't mention was the feeling component. And I've come to believe that that feeling component is the most important. So I started, you know, I was the one who cried all the time and I was the one that was sick all the time. And um, I wound up with two brothers who became extremely successful. One became the, the executive producer of Golden Girls. The other one was a very successful business person and I couldn't rub two pennies together. And I had been into metaphysics from the time I was 20. I'm 80 now, so I had a lot of time to develop. And, and so um, I, I was into metaphysics from my early 20s. And my question was, how did they create that? And I created what I created, where I was always having to get rescued financially. I was physically ill. I was emotionally ill. What's the deal? So my whole journey has been looking for the answer to that. Yeah, that that's just brilliant. And not only has your personal journey informed your uh, passion for the career that you now enjoy, but it's also fueled this fire to help others with their financial prosperity. So how did your personal experience lead you to look for the internal factors that affect people's finances, as you said, their feelings. How did you make the connection between someone's emotional well-being and their financial well-being? Okay, so let's backtrack a little bit. In the 1980s, I had a big business. I, I started out with a $1,200 loan from somebody, and I was the first one to sell crystals and minerals for healing and meditation nationwide. I had a line of stones called Jones Stones that were in 600 stores, and I made a lot of money. In today's money, I was bringing in almost $80,000 a month and wound up going bankrupt because I didn't know how to manage cash flow. So that was my learning experience. But in the course of, of that journey from after I give, gave up 
uh, everything I owned away and coming back into the so-called real world, I started going to 12-step programs. My brother said he wouldn't rescue me anymore until I went to Overeaters Anonymous. Well, it turned out I was eating flocks of chickens, even though I wasn't eating sugar. <laughs> I was eating... I was definitely overeating. And one day someone said, there's a new group in town called Debtors Anonymous. And and that's where I learned that not only does money have a connection to emotions, but eating has a connection to, to emotions. And I realized along the way that I had to learn more about emotions because Satkins don't feel, right? And this one did. And so I would do things like making lists of emotions and then practicing them. And I just knew that I had to learn everything I could. It just was, it was that inner drive that I knew to follow. And that's what led me to understand how, how our emotions are a very essential part of our decision-making. You know, I've gotten very into brain science since then, and and every decision has an emotional component, and everybody's combination of emotions are different. So if you can get to know yourself via your emotions, and of course the thoughts and beliefs come into that, but if you can get to know yourself and why you you know how you feel when you're doing X, Y, or Z, then you can change your behaviors and change your outcomes. I love that, Joan. Moving from a journey where your father said, Sotkins don't feel and discouraged any kind of emotional reaction or any kind of emotion at all to be expressed and experienced to the place where you became an overeater and you got into incredible debt, despite the fact you made incredible wealth, I think definitely leads to this idea that there's a connection between the suppression of emotion and this journey of overeating and becoming in debt and not being able to manage your finances well. So why is it that some people can make a lot of money as you did and others seem to stay in the same position, no matter how much money they have or don't have, they can't seem to accumulate wealth? Well, you know, I'm changing my ideas about this. Because I just read the book. There's a newish book by Oprah and a, and a doctor called um, What Happened to You, where instead of saying what's wrong with you, you say what's happened to you. And I've been saying for a long time that there's nothing wrong with you that means fixing. You just have habits that need to be adjusted. And so, uh, and, uh, and Oprah was seriously abused as a, as a young person, seriously abused. And yet she got to be like the richest woman on the planet. So, and then you take someone else who is abused and they wind up needy and always needing to be rescued. I was that very codependent person. I spent a long time at Codependence Anonymous (laughs) until I figured it out. And so it's not necessarily what happened to you that that determines your financial outcome, it's how you learn to deal with it. Like if you're a person who never had your needs met because of your position in the family, I had one client who was the youngest of four and they were born a year apart. 
So you think they 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 got what they needed? <laughs> the mother was trying to take care of these kids, and so many so many children didn't get what they needed, and that creates that scarcity experience within your body because emotions don't happen in your head; they happen in your body. And we can talk about the the science behind that, although it's not necessary to understand. The idea is for you to not say, well, I, I, what's wrong with me that I can't make more money? It's what happened to me that I came to believe that this is who I am. One of the reasons it's so hard for people to change their financial position, because wherever they are has become part of their identity. If you're a person like, like, I hope people will forgive me for this, but if you work for a nonprofit agency, you're in this position of always asking other people to feel sorry for you and, and give you money. That's what it is. And I learned that feeling sorry for yourself is one of the emotions that drew me to the decisions that I made. And not only did I feel sorry for myself, I wanted you to feel sorry for me. And in order for you to feel sorry for me, I had to maintain this one down position. But Oprah, now in this biography, you find out she was standing in front of audiences when she was three at church, you know? So that's the arc of her life where she got applause early on. So, you have to look at, this is why it's simple, but it takes time. And all this stuff about manifesting and abundance and scarcity, it's as if there's an answer that each of us can tap into. When in fact, it's getting to know yourself and what I've discovered, not only with myself, but with my clients, that it's hard to do alone. Because like I work with people who make plenty of money and and they're trying to figure out what to do next in their life because they're, you know, they've made the money, they've got the success, what's next? And, and they don't know how to look at themselves from that external point of view to see what their assets really are. Because what you think is a problem, like you talk too much, could turn out to be one of your assets <laughs> you know? took me a long time, took me a long time to decide that I was going to make my living talking because that's the thing I do best. <laughs> you know? So we tend to see ourselves and this is how our brains are wired um, to compare ourselves with other people. And that doesn't work because as long as you're comparing yourself to someone else, you can't reach your level of achievement. And the problem is everybody thinks they want to be rich. I just talked to a banker the other day as I'm going through this change with my accounts. And she works with a lot of people who are wealthy. And I said, I bet you have found that the wealthy ones aren't very happy. <laughs> she said, absolutely. And people think that if they have a lot of money, they will be free and they can do whatever they want and they can buy whatever they want. And it doesn't work that way. So why does one person make more money than another? 
because of who they are and how they're expressing themselves in the world and the changes they are willing to make. Because your brain is always going to tell you that change is dangerous. That's really fascinating. You know, you've talked a little bit about the connection between emotion and money management. And we know that money problems cause deep-rooted issues around self-worth and identity and fear. So can you talk a little bit about why money is such an emotional experience for most people and why it's so deeply connected around issues of self-worth and identity and fear? Okay. Well, first of all, let's talk about what money is. Money by itself has absolutely no power. It's just numbers on a spreadsheet, or now we do everything digitally, or pieces of paper and coins. Money is an energy. It's the energy of relationship. Because how you deal with money is how you deal with your relationship with yourself and others. Because as that energy passes between two people or entities, that's an energy exchange. So when you're looking at your money, you're not just looking at the numbers. There's this whole emotional thing that goes into it. So when you look at your bank balance, and I'd like to suggest that everybody try this, when you look at your bank balance, are you saying, oh, wow, look at my bank balance? Or are you feeling contracted and going, oh, I really need more. How come I can't make money as much money as Linda? How, much, how come I, I can't get what I want? That's the dep- dep- deprivation, shame, you know? And because remember, whatever you're saying has an emotion behind it. So I use money as a way of helping people get to know themselves because your combination of emotions is different from everyone else's. Your brain works differently than everybody else's. So when when you're working with your money, I suggest that you say, what am I feeling? And most people don't have a good feeling vocabulary. So all you have to find out is am I feeling contracted or expanded? Because if you're contracted, you want to call that scarcity, whatever you want to call it, you're contracted. And it's very hard to draw in what you want and need when you're in that contracted space. That's right. And what a beautiful way of simplifying what can be really complex experiences associated with money complex emotions associated with money to simply say, do I feel expansive or do I feel contracted? That's a really simple, easy way to identify the experience that you're having. But we know that debt can be really debilitating and that's real. So what steps should a person take if they want to let go of the fear and the feelings of shame and debt that being in debt can create? Okay, so I don't focus on the debt. I focus on the feelings. So here's, I got to give you the basic way I work. I believe that we, you know, that we create our life stories, that life doesn't happen to us, it happens through us. And if we have a habit of shame or a habit of disappointment or a habit of self-hatred, those we're going to create stories 
that allow us to perpetrate those feelings unless we recognize and express them. So I was a debtor. My father was a debtor. I learned how to debt. I never learned how to save. And, and so I had to get in touch with the emotions behind the debting. And the kind of things that would come up for me are the, the, the most recent one I discovered, which is a common feeling, is feeling oppressed. Feeling like I'm, I'm stuck. I can't get out of this no matter what I do. Every time I think I'm getting out of debt, I have to get new tires or, or something happens in the house. I never get to get out of debt. And so that's your habit, not the debt. The debt is that habit of feeling limited and oppressed. And so in order to get out of debt, you have to deal with the feelings of oppression and limited. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you also have to deal with the, the story that you're telling yourself, your mindset and your thinking associated with that feeling. If you start with the emotions and say to yourself, what am I feeling? When have I felt it before? Because that you started doing it when you were two and you were telling them what you wanted to do. And they said, no, no. And you said, yeah, I want to do it. That's that feeling that you've still got. Um, in other words, no one, no one allowed you to become who you are when you were little. So you don't know how to do that. So, you know, when people say mindset, they tend to think about thoughts and beliefs, but the key is the emotions. That's why so many people are doing affirmations and trying to change their thoughts and their beliefs, and they're stuck where they are. Because if you don't get rid of that feeling of limited and, and oppressed or uh, less than, those are feelings. They're not financial situations. If you don't deal with those and train your brain to create a new thinking habit, a new set of beliefs, and a new set, a new emotional response to familiar stimuli, you're going to stay exactly where you are. Yeah, that's fascinating, Joan. So you said you're getting into a lot of brain science right now. Can you give us a snapshot of what you're learning there? It's all about dopamine. <laughs> Dopamine is the thing that was designed to keep us alive so that we would keep eating and keep having sex because those are the things we needed to survive. Well, we can eat whatever you want pretty much unless you're, you know, having trouble now finding money for food. And so we've kind of transferred that to money. And it's that feeling of I got to have it, I got to have it. Um, I was a compulsive shopper and I would get this feeling here. I got to have it. I got to have it. And I would go to the store and I'd get it. And then I'd get it. And about a day later, it was like, so what's the big deal? You know, the, the, the thrill is over. <laughs> that happens with porn. It happens with drugs. It happens. That's dopamine, which always wants more. That's why you're overweight. <laughs> That's why you don't have enough money. I, I mean, it's always wanting more. And we are run by the dopamine. And some people are highly dopaminogenic and others are people 
are more on the serotonin side, which is about being content. And I had to teach myself the habit of being content. I got to tell you, I've got a ton of serotonin flowing through my brain because I am pretty happy regardless of what happens to me, regardless of what my bank account says, regardless of my circumstances. I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty joy-filled. I'm pretty calm. And it's interesting to know that the difference between my mindset and attitude can actually come down to the fact that perhaps I have a bit more serotonin than dopamine. And for others, they're really driven by the dopamine. They're really driven by this motivation for more and more and more. Okay. So let's look at, at, at business people. Okay. Who have this drive and, and they wind up, they may have a lot of money, but they're really sick because the stress of what they've been doing is, is pushing them to the point where their body can't handle it because stress is the cause of most disease. And so what you learn to do naturally, and, and you wonder why other people can't be where you are. That's why you're the leader that you are, because you let things happen. You trust that what you need is going to show up. Now, I've been looking at something I call conscious synchronicity, which is where you get yourself in the right place and whatever you need will show up because that's what synchronicity is about. But the thing that stops it from happening is the fear, is the pushing, it's the stress. So you, if you want to really have a comfortable life, where whatever you need to become who you're becoming, not everybody's supposed to be Jeff Bezos. So to become who you're becoming, not everybody is supposed to run a group like you're running. Everybody has a different path in life. And do you really just want to be rich or do you want to be comfortable? Or And you can be both if that's what you want. I used to always want to be rich. I When the California lottery came out, I, I was sure he was going to win it. And I did all the affirmations that everything else didn't help me. Absolutely didn't help me. <laughs> so, and, and I had two millionaire brothers and, I, you know, it didn't appeal to me. And I knew so many wealthy people. I worked in show business and was interacting with movie stars and people who are very, you know, big celebrities. They're not that happy. So I said, well, what do I want? <laughs> I want to learn how to just be present and find life interesting. And, and the more I do that, the more interesting it gets and the money's there. Right. That's so it. I mean, it takes a while to sort of find perhaps your purpose, your mission, your vision. But then once you are clear about what the definition of success is for you, then it's about taking that bold step in the direction of your own definition of success, your purpose, your mission, and your vision. And that's where I feel like I was so lucky early on to understand how I'm designed and what I wanted my life experience to be. And the development of Leadership Global really has been the culmination of that life's purpose. And so in a lot of ways, I consider myself incredibly lucky that I knew that early. So, Joan, you've had an incredible journey and you've worked alongside remarkable leaders and you yourself 
are an incredibly inspiring leader. And honestly, one of my favorite people that I've come to know this past year, you are one of the people that I will say was brought into my life in 2021 that I am most thankful for. So along that journey, can you tell me what some of the best leadership advice that you've received and you'd like to share with our audience might look like? Well, remember, I function on a different wavelength. <laughs> and so one of the best advice I ever got from uh, personally from my first spiritual teacher was worrying is a waste of time. Anything negative is a waste of time. And I thought to myself, what a concept. <laughs> you know, it's like, how do you do that? So it took me like 20 years to get to the point where I can be in the serotonin space that you're in. You know, some people just have it naturally. And, you know, your point of view and what happens to you is not the norm. I mean, you were outside of the norm to begin with. And, you know, if you decide you want to, don't want to be normal, <laughs> you have to really work at it. So that was really good advice that I got. And business advice, there's a, a television show with Marcus Lemonis called The Prophet. And he would always say, you, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And so know your numbers. <laughs> Both beautiful pieces of advice. And I will tell you, I, I love all the generous learning that you've shared with us today. I've loved getting to know you. I find so much inspiration in your personal story, Joan, but I also love how you have transformed your own um, journey of adversity into a journey of growth and learning and actually giving. You are such a generous giver. You share your knowledge and your expertise and your wisdom and your advice and guidance so readily so generously. And we are all the wiser for that, my friend. So I want to say thank you, Joan Sotkin, for sharing your wisdom and your good advice, your sage counsel with us today about how to build a prosperity mindset and really understand the emotions attached to financial wealth. That's such great advice. Joan, thank you for being with us today. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to share and for appreciating what I have to say. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Joan. Thank you for joining Leadership Global's award-winning podcast. As a member of Leadership Global, you have the opportunity to meet inspirational leaders, create lifelong friendships, and be surrounded by others who are invested in your success. Join our global community of inspiring women in leadership, women who will help you create greater levels of impact, support your personal and professional breakthroughs, and help you accelerate your success. Don't miss out on the opportunity to show up, speak up, and step up in your professional and your personal life. Find out how you can join us at leadhershipglobal.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.